Ladies and gentlemen, good day. This is Greg. This is Matt. And we are the bottom tier, my guys, coming to you live from our beautiful offices down here in Mesa, Arizona, where it's not even a little bit too hot for anything that actually wants to live. Friends, uh, first of all, we'd like to apologize a little bit in case you hear a little phantom noise this time. Uh, We're recording this midday as opposed to after hours like we normally do. Um, We are lucky enough to have a really nice recording setup here, uh, courtesy of Matt's employers, Uh, (laughs) and they are in the middle of doing some stuff right outside so if you hear anything uh sort of you know not us going on in the audio today uh it's not ghosts you're not crazy uh there's just you know actual business happening uh that's interfering with our yeah, podcast but i mean hey we're stoked we can meet up and be able to do this and utilize the recording studio it just ended up being the best time because there's just so much stuff going on it, you know so. we're, we're we're busy adults living busy adult lives <laughs> Right. We're exactly. super busy. Super busy. All the time. Well, guys, welcome to the podcast. As always, we are bottom tier. We're here to make you go from the bottom to the top, and now we're here. That's a song, right? Well, it should be if it's not. I think it is. I think it is. But today, we have a very interesting topic for you. We want to talk about steeples of flesh and blood and foundational cards, too. Okay, okay. First thing, is it steeples or is it staples? Staples. Okay. Steeples, staples. Uh, open, go to the church, meet all the people. It Right, see, that's that's 100% where I go whenever <laughs> Sorry, you say that. You've I been saying this staple. for like a week now, I, and I'm just staple. like... Look, Nursery rhymes? Up, is that I, what we're doing? I grew now? up religious. I, you know, steeple staples. Well, I mean, I, I did too, which is why I get the whole like <laughs> church vibe from that. So I'm 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 like I'm working a little a little my, Catholic guilt is coming back. My up. name, I'm not, Matt. I'm not used to that. I always speak well. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Greg. Me, no English. Yeah, we have podcast, and I don't know how to speak. <laughs> talky talky. Okay, we're talking about the staples of flesh and blood. And so, what are what's a staple, Greg? Oh man, the, when you say a staple card to me, the first thing that pops into my head is like Art of War. Okay. Because literally everything can run Art of War, and literally everything like gets some benefit from Art of War. There, there are just some cards that are just so good that you can run them as utility in like literally everything. Um, yeah. Art of War is a big one. Um, Enlightened Strike, mm-hmm. uh, Command and Conquer, and Scar for a Scar see a lot of uh, adoption across things. Um, some of these are super expensive. Art of War, I think, is like 50 bucks a pop or something. Yep. Uh, and then Scar for a Scar is cheaper than that. I have a bunch myself because it's just a common card yeah right super common Um, so it doesn't really matter like common super super rare or anything like that some are just really really good um so how do you want to dig dig into this yeah do you want to just like run down a list you're you're right man so the staple cards like i i think the reason i wanted to bring it up is it's it kind of flows into deck building so we're going into a new season in flesh and blood yes we are skirmishes right and so we're doing blitz and so i kind of want to talk about the staples and the foundations of deck building so that you could be able to as a new player understand like what these cards do and also be able to have an idea of how to build a deck around it so you mentioned really great stuff i think that in flesh and blood a lot of your foundation and staple cards are going to be the generics which Mm -hmm. you just mentioned command and conquer uh, art of war Scar for scars, etc., and also generic equipment. The generics equipment yes. are huge staples. For example, we have Arcanite Skullcap or uh, or Fandles Spring or Tunic. Fandles Spring Tunic. Every single deck can utilize those two pieces uh, very very well, and you'll be able to have it forever and kind of already have most of the deck build kind of for the other decks already. Exactly. Once you have your staples sort of in place, it's just a matter of filling in the archetype or talent specific stuff Mm -hmm. that you need in order to really make it sing. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference is you you need to know your staple cards. So of course we said Arcanite Skullcap, Fendel Spring Tunic, 
a new staple card just came out. A lot of people are switching from skull cap to crown of Providence. Crown of Providence is great. Yeah. It's really good. And so you're able to take, use it for armor for two damage. And when it breaks, you can remove your arsenal and draw a card and have five card hand instead of a four card hand, which is amazing. And then you have other staples too, that are common like snapdragon scalers. Oh man, I've been running Snapdragon literally since my very first deck, and I do not see myself ever not running it in yeah. some capacity. It's just too good. It's super good. And so that's kind of like those set aside. I think that's what makes a staple staple is everyone uses it, right? But I think the bigger topic is having a foundation of what you want to build and 100%. having something that can change the way you be able to play. 100%. And so there's foundational cards that I kind of want to talk and, and bounce off you. I know I kind of like came up with this topic <laughs> and so I have just, I'm just going to talk and you guys get to listen to me. But, uh, when deck building, there's always a thing you want to make sure happens. So for a prime example, we're going to talk about a hero. So after you pick your hero, you want to kind of pick about what strategy you want to do for that hero. And so let's use Phi, new uprising hero. Of course, let's use Phi because yeah. Phi is your guy. Phi is my guy. Uh, I'm a Phi guy. There is three main ways that you can build out Fi. There's three foundational strategies that you could do. And the first one is actually based off of a very specific card for Fi called Phoenix Form. Phoenix Form deck build. And so a Phoenix Form is where it attacks for three, zero cost. And if you have played a Phoenix Flame, it gets go again. If you've played two Phoenix Flames, it gets plus two and go again. If you play three, it gets plus two, go again, and if you hits, you get to draw five, uh, three cards. Right? Oof. Yep. Great card. And so if you wanted to build a deck that was surrounded about Phoenix form, you use that as your foundation, and that kind of determines the rest of your card number. Because then you have your strategy in mind. You know yeah. what you're trying to go for. You know what you're trying to draw into. Mm-hmm. And so then it's just a matter of supporting that and then finding ways to draw into it. Yeah. And so the good way to be able to do that is by making sure you run rainbow colors of Rise from the Ashes. Right. In Flame, which attacks for one, but if you've played a red card, you can draw a Phoenix Flame from the graveyard. And you want to uh, uh, do Flameborn Retribution, where you can get the Phoenix Flames out from your deck onto the field as well, attacking for three. If you have those three cards, like those huge concepts, you already, A, have 20 cards added to your deck. So that takes care of a third of your deck, plus the Phoenix Form. And now you're able to have a higher chance of getting that Phoenix form that builds out your deck. The rest of it, you just fill in with attacks and everything like that. The stuff to fill in the yeah. gaps. Exactly. Cause so, it, it, it does no good if you can't pull the cards that you need to. Yeah. So having that kind of front of mind, especially for more of an aggro sort of strategy like that seems like it is, I, I don't play a lot of five. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm armchair commenting at this yeah. point. Um, but so it, it seems like it's, you know, the five is a pretty aggressive sort of strategy anyway, but that seems like we're like turning it up to 11, like really trying to hit with the flames as much as possible before you bring out, you know, the big guns, yeah. so to speak. And then, you're able to set up those turns to be able to eventually get a mass trigger, which is a, I would say, a, a staple card because uh, for ninjas, that's a staple ninja card. Right. It's a very class specific staple. And so if you're able to make them forced to block for three and then be able to draw five cards or three cards from the other one, you're going to be able to draw four cards, do mass amount of damage. But this is just one foundation that you could do for five. There's two other ways you could be able to do that too. And so I think the the main thing is like you need to find what what you want to build. So you mentioned Art of World War earlier. That's another 
foundation you could do for mm-hmm. Phi. I want to run Art of War Phi, and I want to mix it up with the Stubby's Hammers. Nice. Okay. So if you do that, that's another foundation. So how am I going to utilize that? Well, I need to make sure I have cards that don't go over three damage or have a three base so that stubbies can activate it. I can also do art of roar. So I need to make sure I have low cost, but also I can add a card in there called spreading flames, which is where if you play that in the beginning of your draconic chain link, your first card, if you play a card that has one, base attack afterwards that's draconic it will give it plus one and so that's another plus one so you can end up having plus three to every single card and over time these these little like plus ones especially Mm -hmm. in phi whose sort of whole thing is hit a bunch hit for relatively low damage but they just keep the chip damage going yeah um getting those little plus ones on things makes a massive difference you know the difference between a two and a three doesn't seem like a lot until you have nine cards out that all of a sudden do three or four damage a piece instead of two or three damage a piece yeah, it's it's a huge deal. Like it does a lot of damage, and that's the deck that a lot of people are building now. Is like we're not going to run Phoenix form because it's a very niche thing that we want to do. We want to build a deck that hits hard, hits fast, and be able to to do forty damage in a turn is what you're able to see with these stubby hammer turns. But then there's a whole other strategy that was the one that was winning the road to nationals, which is having Shuko Tiger Stripe Shuko be the pillar or the foundation of your deck. And just relying on that to get the second attack yeah. bonuses and moving on from there. This is where you see less red cards, more yellow cards, because they typically have a base of two, because mm-hmm. Shuko activates on that, to be able to push it towards three and mix it with that Art of War and that Spreading Flames, you're able to push a little bit more damage than what you would do with the other strategy uh, involving Stubby Hammers. And so there's so many different facets you could do just for one hero that I think as a new player, you have to find out what ex- not only excites you as a hero, but what strategy excites you as a player too, and what you want to be able to push forward. And then make sure that the hero sort of aligns with what you're looking for. Like if if you take a hero like Fi, fantastic at aggro, can do a little bit of you know the mid range stall him out, you know extend the gameplay a little bit. Um, but if you go for more like a, of, of a defensive strategy or like a stall sort of strategy probably not going to be your guy yeah um really sort of designed to do the fast hard you know quick hits like a ninja um whereas if you take someone like oldham or something along those lines more of a more of a tanky sort of uh, sort of hero um you can do aggro with oldham i've seen it done before to great effect yeah but it's way way easier and it's way more synergetic with the card uh and the cards available to that particular hero to go for a more you know mid-range or control sort of setup yeah so f- playing around with the different configurations um is really it's it's fascinating when you stop and you look at it from a deck building perspective yeah um, not only can you do a lot with each hero um but each hero sort of inherently lends itself to certain things so finding a way to to really leverage that um, becomes one of sort of the keystones of deck building and playing the game yeah it's it's awesome and like you mentioned the perfect hero of oldham uh, not the perfect hero, but you per- mentioned a good For example. our purposes yeah. right now, Oldham yeah. is the guy. Yeah, but Oldham, uh, like like you said, you could take those Guardian Crippling Crushes and all that stuff and make a very powerful Oldham, or you choose to do the Guardian Defense reactions and make the very, I'm going to stall you out Oldham, which is what we see a lot of today. Yeah. And so it's really cool that you can sell, see those different foundations. Like, I want to be Stally. You then start using the defense reactions as your foundation, build out from there. You want to be aggro, you use some of the aggro cards of foundation, build out from there. Because you're going to have the same few cards that is going to be in every single version of the deck, like your Scar for Scars and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's just the the foundational cards or the uh, that 
the, the foundational strategy you want to do that's going to make your deck different from other decks. We can see it with Prism, too. There's two different Prism decks. There's Aura Prism, which focuses on attacking you a lot with the Spectral like the Shields. Spectrals, yeah. And other auras. And then there is Herald Prism, which just hits you for big damage and disrupts your turn by playing out instants and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so every deck has kind of different pathways that you could find. But it's interesting because you can get creative of of things that you've never done before, too. So Bolton, my Bolty boy, (laughs) a great example is I feel like a lot of people are stuck in the foundation of uh, you need to charge your soul to do cool things. And then I can do Lumina Ascension and do that. Because Lumina has turned into Bolton's foundation card for everything because it's specialization. Yep. It's powerful. You could do about 25 damage instantly pretty fast, right? Yeah. But like the thing is, is Bolton sometimes doesn't make it there because you're relying on having luck to draw that. And if your Luminas are on the bottom, that's a bummer. Single points of failure are a problem. Mm-hmm. Full stop. If your entire deck revolves around one card or one particular play, you're going to lose. Consistency is absolutely key in any sort of game like this, especially with sort of the random chance element that comes with shuffling and drawing and maybe you get a good hand, maybe you don't sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a little bit of flexibility built in to be able to get through the turns and you know set yourself up successfully so that when you get the 25 damage thing, they're at a position, your opponent's at a position where they can't respond to it. Yeah. And if all you're doing is just like, in Bolton's case, like charging the soul, charging the soul, block, 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 hold on for the Lumina, and then you get the Lumina and they have something to respond to that with, mm-hmm. uh, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, I was talking with uh, with one of the guys from our local scene uh, last night. Uh, last night, yeah. Um, and he was telling me how he used to run uh, Turtle Katsu. Uh, and one of the things that he used is like, oh, this as an example to explain why the strategy was so effective, was that he could handle four Luminas off of a Bolton. There you go. He could take four of them. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are at that point, like how well you set up your flow or anything. If, yeah. they, if they can eat whatever you're throwing at them, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so that's why I wanted to bring it up is you have to reconsider your strategy and you have to think a lot about these these things. Like I'm, I'm fairly new to TCGs and so I've been like, whoa. <laughs> I really wanted to know this like because I didn't understand deck building at all. It's, yeah. it's really easy to go to FabDB, look at a deck, pick it up, and then try your way through it and fail a lot. But now I'm being more coherent of, all right, like if I need to make sure I can attack with with one cost weapons, I need to make sure I have a blue almost every hand, which means I need to make like divide 60 by 40, make sure I have like 15 blues. So I draw a blue and be able to play out from there to be able to do all this stuff. And so going that minutia of like, I need to have this many blues, this many yells, this much stuff to be able to do this. And if this is my main strategy, I'm going to rainbow it like I'm going to do Blade Runner or Hit and Run, stuff like that exactly. with hatchets. Like you got to make sure you understand how to be able to do that and what cards you need to, to have that or you're just going to be like a normal Bolton and wait for that card effect that you think is really cool. Exactly. You need to build out from that card and see what pairs really, really well. And just cramming like all of like, the, this, these cards are super powerful. I'm going to put all of them in the deck together. Yeah. Like that, that's not going to work. The deck has to be like, a holistic whole. It has to be greater than the sum of its parts. So it has to really work together. Um, and especially like from a more casual perspective, um, being a little creative with that, feeling some stuff out and finding some interesting new ways to put things together, um, using some of those staples and then using sort of whatever you have on hand. Mm -hmm. Um, that really is how you learn how to deck build. Yep. 
It's how you learn how to play different things. Mm -hmm. And that's how you leverage that into other things. Just because something doesn't work with, say, Bolton doesn't mean that it won't work with Dory. Just because something doesn't work with Reinar doesn't mean that it won't work with Levia or something like that. Um, So having a really strong grasp of the underlying mechanics and then the mechanics of the cards themselves leads to bigger and better things. And it leads to a better time for everybody. Absolutely. So I think advice for brand new players or even expert players is... Take the time to, like, if you think that you could get a better strategy, first, go pick up a Blitz deck or a Commoner deck. 100%. Play the hero first. Understand what the hero does. Then look at the uh, corresponding cards. So, again, utilizing, uh, we'll do a different hero this time, uh, utilizing Viscerai. Uh, we'll, we'll say, actually, we'll say, because uh, I want to use two, uh, <laughs> Briar, right? Cool, Briar. Uh, yeah, it you can then look at Runeblade cards. You can then look at Lightning cards. You can then look at Earth cards. And you then you can look, look at, at Elemental cards. Then you can look yeah, at... Like elemental yeah. cards. So you can see, like, you're going to need to look at all of those, read them, understand how that could go into Briar after you play it a couple times so you can see what that's like, then build the deck from it. Exactly. Yeah. And kind of... As LSS keeps releasing new cards with new talents and new archetypes, it's going to get more and more complicated. You see in like, you know, the Welcome to Wraith and like the early sets, yeah. it's very straightforward. You got Brute, you got Warrior, you got Ninja, and they can do class stuff and they can do generic stuff. Yep. And that's all you got. And then you start getting Light and Shadow in there and then you start getting the elements. So you have two different elements plus the Elemental Class card, plus the Standard Element card, plus the Standard Class card, plus mm-hmm. the generic. So you got six or seven different types of cards that you can throw into a single deck which makes flexibility like not an issue anymore because you can do a thousand different things exactly but it's also super overwhelming to come into it if you're not prepared for that sort of thing um, because you have a thousand different options and you're not sure well you know does this synergize with this or do i need to i need more lightning cards in this deck to lightning fuse this thing and oh no i don't have any earth cards in this deck so i can't earth fuse anything so that makes this card kind of worthless and yep. trying to play around those sorts of things it just it hurts people's brains sometimes it hurts my brain yeah i'm like i'm, I'm an intelligent guy all right i i can grasp things very easily um but i've just picked up briar recently and trying to work out all these synergies is just it's it's frying me a little bit yeah it's interesting and i think the best thing you could do is after you feel like you have a good strategy or foundation built or you have your i want to use this card and i want to do this then what you gotta do shuffle up set your equipment out and then play by yourself yeah shuffle draw four cards and then draw four cards again and draw four cards again and see if you can play and then see what feels awkward in your hand Exactly. If you're like, this feels very weird and I don't like this, then you need to get rid of that card most likely. Or it's a very circumstantial card where you're like, I could use this for this scenario and that's a thought you have. You now have found a card that will go in your sideboard. Exactly. You don't, you see people run Command and Conquer in a lot of decks, but they actually just have in their sideboard for those certain Just in case. Yeah. Um, Another big thing that that does is it lets you kind of get a feel for how the proportions are broken out in the cards. Because, you know, you can stack a deck with all attack actions and be okay. You can stack it with, you know, if you're playing Wizard, all non attack actions that do damage and stuff, like shout out to Icelander for. Those blue arsenals. Um, but so, like the other night, I was playing and I just kept drawing like non attack action cards, which would buff attack action cards. But I wasn't getting any attack action cards, yep. or I was getting stuff that required me to fuse something in order to get a bonus or something like that. I just wasn't getting, you know, the utility out of the hands that I needed, um, which, you know, which just comes back to poor deck building. Um, and, 
it really it was an enlightening opportunity to sort of see how everything works in the wild, so to speak. Because yeah. you can like you can do a couple of test hands, like okay, cool, this is really good. I could do this and this, or I could do this and this, or something like that. But until you test it out against another deck and actually get a feel for how the flow is going to go, you're working with limited information. Absolutely. And like, if you don't have someone else, like uh, this might sound depressing. If you don't have someone else to like deck tech, like luckily Greg and I can verse each other and try things out, or we have a great community that wants to test. But if you're, I have multiple times just had my other deck that I already built and just like played a few rounds by myself against the other thing, trying my hard to win with both decks. And, and really that's, that's a great way to do it because then you're not just learning one hero and it's tech. You're learning another hero and it's tech and then how the two interact with each other. Yeah. So each hero is going to have different pros and cons against each other hero. Sometimes you're going to be really good in a matchup. Sometimes a matchup is just going to be absolutely trash. And yeah. You're not going to have anything for it. So it gives you a really good opportunity to sort of reach that sort of plateau of knowledge where you're actually playing the game instead of the game playing you if that makes sense absolutely and so i think just our advice for just new players is just pick a hero then when you go buy some packs because for some reason it just bites you you're like i like this game i'm gonna go buy a, like a box now that's how it happens when, it, 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 yep. it either bites you and you're super into it or you hate it and you'll never look at it again. yeah so you go buy a box and then you look at the cards in the box and kind of separate them for what your hero is and then pick, pick out what you want your foundation to be and don't be afraid to buy stuff specifically like looking for stuff for a particular hero. Like yeah. if you're if you're a big Dory fan, you know, buy some stuff that has some warrior cards in it. If you really like Briar, go out and buy some Aria. Like just pick it up. Who cares? Yeah. Um, you know, find the things that you love and work it. And that's a bottom tier top tip, everybody. Bottom tier top tip. Well, I think this is a great deck. It changed from steeples, not just staples <laughs> and foundations to more like Deck building 101 and what you should really look for, right? And maybe that's what we'll call it, deck building 101. Yeah, there's a snappy title. Yeah, like deck that. building 101. But you, like, you literally should just think about those things, find out what you want to do, and, and really get ready for the skirmish season. And don't be afraid to, to lose in the beginning. Like That's going to help you learn the most because then that gives you the opportunity to go home, change some things up, change that foundation, and then go at it again and surprise them the next time. Amen to that. And Matt, that's a perfect transition into our recurring topic. Friends, it's time for lessons learned. Now, Matt, we've had we've had a fun little week this past week. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been having a blast. Yeah. What, uh, what have you learned this week? What, uh, what, what are the big lessons you want to share today? Man, I honestly like was just so excited to talk about this that I uh, <laughs> didn't really think about what lessons I learned. Um, honestly... I think this might have been like this episode might have been my giant lesson learned of like understanding <laughs> deck building a little bit because yeah. I just wanted to change up Bolton so much and build him in commoner. Now it might even be my blitz deck coming soon. We'll see. Cause I want to be able to be like, this hero has a different foundation than what everyone's given it. Right. Totally. Um, so if it's broke, fix it. <laughs> if it's broke, fix it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, also I, I think a, a huge lesson is, um, I learned a lot about the purpose of uh, armor blocking in while playing a game this this week. Mm, okay, um, something that we don't talk about a whole lot. Yeah, so it's being purposeful and why you want that certain armor in your deck. So, for example, with Phi, like playing Furnace is important. You're not really utilizing its ability. You're just utilizing that two and one block. Because that one HP can really, really help you at the end. Absolutely. Because a lot of the matches 
especially against Eviscerai, are going to end on 1v1. Yeah, it's going to get right down to the wire. And that 1 HP can help save a card in your hand, utilizing that block, and just saving that block for later in the game. So I think that was a huge lesson learned, is just like saving my block, making sure like if I'm at like 3 or 4 HP, I need to make sure I slow it, because that actually means I'm at 7 or 8, which means I could take on a full turn to be able to to do a full turn back when I know they can't be able to block it. Which is, especially with a hero like Fi that relies on that yeah. sort of speed, mm-hmm. um, having that in the back pocket is phenomenal. Yeah, super good. So blocking, blocking with your equipment is like the main thing, and like we always get worried about losing spring tunic or whatever, but like <laughs> that block is more important than it. Some, sometimes holding on to that life is what you need more than the resource every three turns. Yep. Mm-hmm. What about you? What lessons have you learned? Man. Week? So, so sort of to piggyback off of what we were talking about, um, it gets down to deck building for me. Um, we played a uh, commoner last night. Yep. Um, really great little armory event that we're doing now uh, down here, which is super phenomenal. I love commoner. Um, and I came in with this new briar deck, just testing the hero out, kind of seeing, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sort of dating several heroes right now. Yeah. Just kind of trying to figure out where I am since my beloved chain got living legend. And <laughs> I can't play him in CC anymore, so I need a new CC guy. Um, so I was trying out Briar, and I felt really good about this deck. You know, we played a little over this weekend, um, and I I did pretty well with it. Uh, yeah. we, we did a best of three. I took it 2-0 and o or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I was feeling really good, and I came to play. I was jazzed. I was pumped. We were going to get it done. And then I just do dead hand after dead hand after dead dead hand um and so i really i've for the last you know last night i couldn't fall asleep so i was busy thinking about it i've been thinking about it all day at work today um and i've just been replaying in my mind not just you know uh like the proportions and the stuff in the deck but then how i was actually playing it i wasn't taking full advantage of even the dead stuff that i had i could have done better with it yeah. Um, but because the deck wasn't performing the way I expected it to, I was getting in my own head. I was getting frustrated. I was letting myself get down about it. Um, so for me, it comes back to having a realistic expectation of what the deck is and what the deck can accomplish mm-hmm. and not freaking out when it doesn't hit on all cylinders. Because yeah. it's not going to every time. Sometimes you're going to get a dead hand. Sometimes the draws are going to be rough. Sometimes you're not going to have what you need in order to counter whatever is happening on the other side. So really like staying in that positive mental space and then being willing to go back to the drawing board and rework things a little bit. That's my biggest lesson is being flexible and open to change. Yeah. Open to change. I, I love that a lot. That's it's it was a perfect episode then today was just deck it really building, worked really. out. Yeah. Because it's just that's the huge part of Flesh and Blood that makes it so unique is everybody not only has a unique hero, but has a unique take on what that hero can do. And that really is what like we had, that's what happened. Viscerai is yeah. we had the, the the cool person from Arsenal Pass. I forget your name. I don't think it was Hayden Dale, but it was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one? Uh, but uh, sent out that Viscerai deck, and everyone's like, "Oh, this, this is neat. this is actually very interesting." And we also see it with Briar right now with Channel Mount Heroic is is these people are the, these deck builders in the forefront can change the way the meta can go because they found something really unique. So go out there, experiment, find out what you want to be your foundation and just really run with it. Because like, if you think about it, you, you kind of have to be like obsessed about it to like, I should run this. And then, cause I've lost a few sleeps over Bolton as well. Just yep. be like, I should do this and then go, uh, and see how it goes, see how it works. Exactly. So Matt, we, we have just a few minutes left before we have to be wrapping up for today. Um, so I wanted to short bring, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. I blame the timing on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to get back to work in like 15 or 20 minutes. How dare you? I, I know. How, work? 
I need to make money? What? what? Um, so I was, I was just, you know, haunting a couple of the flesh and blood subreddits like I do, uh, because I'm <laughs> Ghostly one of those guys. Them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, real awkward. Um, and uh, I came across, uh, apparently they've updated the leaderboard on Living Legend. Yep. Uh, really interesting. Our girl Prism, two points away. Oh, um, 998. 998, which is which is. <laughs> Phenomenal! I think that the uh, the Stravo uh, chain prism sort of trifecta is going to be really interesting in that format for it actually to start getting going. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the discussion uh, that I was reading seemed to boil down to uh, sort of two camps. One camp thinks that everything is good and that you know the prism going to live in legend is great and that everything is flowing the way it's supposed to. And the and the other camp is sort of people who uh, who think that the that the living legend system is broken. Yeah. Uh, specifically because when you stop and look at things like Azalea, poor old Azalea, yeah. still down there at zero, been out since like near the beginning, uh, still doing nothing. And you have a hero like Fi who's been out for like a month now-ish. Yeah. Um, and he's already like 15 or 20% of the way to Living Legend. Like everybody is playing this guy. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it, Dang it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so prepare yourself for that. Um but it, it's really, it's interesting in a couple of ways. Um, the sort of non-rotational format that LSS has put into place. Um, like, I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Because for me, from like an outside perspective, it seems like a really interesting way to do it as opposed to something like Magic the Gathering, which purposely cycles sets in and out, depending on how old they are, yeah. to sort of keep the meta in an ever-evolving place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's an interesting contrast, and... Um, it seems like what they're doing here, it could work, but I don't know how I feel about it. So I wanted to kind of get your input on that. Honestly, like I don't know the other systems. Like I do know, like we have a ban list and stuff like that. And I I know that some cards are like, Hey, like you can't play from this set now this year season or whatever. And I'm familiar with like some video games too on, on being like this season, you can only use these type of creatures for Pokemon. We'll, we'll name drop like yeah. right for the I, I played competitively in the in the video game. We'll go ahead and use the Pokemon uh, yeah. the, the Pokemon example. I've played Pokemon for a long time. Yeah. I get you. I yeah. imagine there's some overlap between yeah. the yeah. flesh and blood community and the yeah. competitive so, like, trainers in us. Yeah. So I uh, I played like the Pokemon video game, and so it'd be like you can only use these heroes. And the next one's like now you can use legendaries. Now you can use restricted, which is like their pseudo legendaries. Right. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so like I am familiar with that, and what I feel about with living legend is I actually genuinely, I don't think it's meant for us. Like, I think it's cool for us to watch what will get banned. I think it's created for LSS. And what I mean by that is I think it's a good like pulse on what people are playing, what people are enjoying and what's balanced in the game. And so for example, like we see Azalea and we see, um, we see Levia near the bottom, but Levia is going back, going up now because we have really expert players. Levia is actually higher than Icelander right now. Perfect. So Levia is doing great, and so uh, we're seeing a pulse on. That's actually really fascinating because of all the drafting, right? But, kind of uh, nuts. Yeah, but uh, it's a pulse for LSS to be like, okay, so maybe this next set we're gonna give something to the Azalea players so they could play Azalea well. I think it's a good opportunity for them to kind of see the pulse to be able to help bring these heroes up so they can see the score rise up a little yeah. bit. And maybe that's the main goal of it is it's actually just for them. Um, I think it's a really cool concept because that means like if people really explode on a hero that that means it's not going to last that long. So it means like people, it might, 
it's kind of like the mind game of flesh and blood of like, maybe I shouldn't use this so I could be able to play it longer and maybe like play other heroes. Like, I think yeah, it's really which, cool to watch that. Which is super cool. Um, the, the thing that sort of, I don't know if bothers me is the right word for it. Um, but the thing that kind of, you know, sticks in my head mm-hmm. is, you know, we, we have two living legends in CC right now. So that's like one a year, basically, is what we're averaging. Yeah. Prism is about to get there. Fi is climbing those ranks really fast. And then people like Briar and Viscerai, uh, well, Briar more so, um, are both, you know, they're starting to get up there along with a couple of others yeah. about a third of the way there or so. Um, so what happens in a couple of years when, you know, LSS has dropped a couple more expansions and maybe, you know, two, three more heroes, but we have heroes that are really starting to sort of get bumped out at a higher and higher rate because as you know, the chains and the prisms and the briars start to get bumped out into living legend, um, more and more people are going to be going to those sort of dominant meta decks. They're yeah. going to start, start playing. We'll see more fines and, uh, and Katsus. We're going to see more, I think Bravo showstoppers pop up. So what happens when those ones start getting, you know, elevated out? Yeah. Then people are going to have to start going down a little bit lower. Those are going to have to start playing like Dash and Lexi and Reinar. And what happens when they get bumped out? Like it, it, the, the whole thing is it's really interesting for the first few years when it's kind of like a free-for-all, like a battle royale sort of thing. Yeah. But as the meta evolves and as people's play preferences evolve, it starts to really create a, a really rigidly tiered system that could be really good or it could be really bad. Right. I I think that LSS suffers a little bit because like the game did come out in the middle of the pandemic. Like that's when it was released. Yeah. And I think with the increase of live events, maybe and seeing like how fast these heroes gain points, because this is just to address your issue is like maybe a good tactic is to reevaluate the the number that something becomes living legend. So maybe a thousand might be too small because it's like the amount of live events going out there. Like we had like two road to nationals here. So that's us. But if every state has two to three, that's a lot of points that a hero could win. That is a lot. Yeah. And so I think reassessing the number to be maybe 2000 or 3000 could be the change that's needed to make sure it's there longer. Cause Starvo dominated and was only been there for like six months. Oh yeah. Cause everybody ran. It was just too yeah, good. It was really good. And I think everyone was relieved that it was gone. But the thing that was kind of crazy is at the very end, like Starvo wasn't earning the points. It was chain and prison because they created, they got creative with their deck building Mm -hmm, on how mm -hmm. to overcome the opposition of what to do. And so maybe if we saw it be extended to 3000, we'd still have Starvo in the meta and we'd still have people, uh, trying to like learn how to outperform Starvo prism and chain. And we'd see different deck builds come from that. So it, it leads to a fascinating type uh, place of the game is maybe they adjust the number to be a little bit bigger because now there's live events and they're actually getting numbers and the game's growing or or they are just going to be faster at releasing heroes to be for CC. So maybe this next Dynasty set, they already have a hero or adult heroes that they're going to add in there, and we're going to see a lot more adult heroes. Hopefully, up. they have a couple um, because we. I, I feel like CC especially really needs the shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. Um 
I feel like it's just it's just it's moving a little bit too slow. See, like if if we go back to like the Pokemon example, yeah. for example, um, you know, w- when you start playing competitively, it has like a really like rigid tier system. You have mm-hmm. the ones that are used all the time. You have the ones that are sort of used, and so on and so forth. And it's based on usage. It's not necessarily based on what's most or least powerful. Like you can have a really powerful creature mm-hmm. that's in a lower tier because it's just not as useful as another one that looks weaker on paper. Um, which sort of avoids that whole issue. It, it, it allows the people who are playing the game to sort of set the the rules, basically, yeah. and it can respond much quicker. Um, I'm just I'm worried that eventually all the heroes people want to play are going to get bumped into Living Legend, and so everyone's going to just start playing Living Legend, and nobody's going to play CC or Blitz or anything like that anymore. It'll, it'll become less popular as the heroes that people really enjoy playing all end up in LL. I mean, you you could be right, and maybe that's where we're going to start seeing the introduction of that season. Because right now, it went from CC, season, right? Mm-hmm. Road to National CC, to Blitz season, skirmishes, is going to be the right now, right, for this next month. Yep. Maybe in the coming years, we're going to be, like, Living Legend season. I really hope and so. And that will be something different. Especially with, like, three or four heroes in the Living Legend meta, yeah. you actually have a viable meta at that point. Yeah. You, you actually have a viable ecosystem for that and sort it'd be, of... it'd be fun template. to see Starvo versus Fi, you know? Like, it'd be right? cool to be able to see that matchup when that happens and that. see what's what's better, right? So, I mean, like, there's, there's that. I think we will see a Living Legend, like, month or season to be able to go towards Worlds or something like that. But I mean, we have we don't have a commoner season yet or anything like that. But I mean, Living Legend could be a new rule set where there's no like no bands, no whatever. Like it's nothing a wild, restricted, wild west, complete you know? free for all. Yeah. But you have to use these heroes. Yep. So we, we'll see. That could be super interesting. It could be interesting. Uh, all right, Matt. So do we have any final thoughts that we want to leave the people with today? Uh, yeah, hey, uh, good luck this season. Have fun. Pick a hero that you like and find those foundation cards. And yeah, just go out there and have fun. Jump in, get your feet wet. The only thing holding you back is yourself. Oh, so good. Words th- of wisdom. I think we're ending right there. I think, that's, I think that's perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, I am Greg. I'm Matt. We're the bottom tier, and thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you next time.